Hey, greetings, everyone. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, and welcome to the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast. You gotta light them up before they burn it down. This episode of the Steadfast and Loyal Podcast is brought to us by the United States Concealed Carry Association, and they literally help to save lives. And let me explain. The USCCA is a membership association that provides self-defense education, training, and peace of mind to over 500,000 responsibly armed Americans nationwide. Click learn more below right now if you are ready to start your journey with them. When you activate your membership, you'll get access to expert self-defense education, life-saving training, and self-defense liability insurance. These resources are literally life-saving, and the USCCA has first-person testimonies to proving it. With your membership, you'll get access to hundreds of hours of training videos, articles, checklists, guides, and more. You'll be able to get instant up-to-date information about everything from gun laws to ammo types to home defense drills, self-defense drills. And best of all, it's 100% risk-free with the United States Concealed Carry Association's money-back bulletproof, no pun intended, guarantee. That means that if you decide the USCCA isn't for you. Simply call, request a prompt and courteous refund. So what are you waiting for? Click learn more below right now. And remember the USCCA is not an insurance company. A policy has been issued to the USCCA by Universal Fire and Casualty Insurance Company. That policy provides the association and its members with self-defense liability insurance subject to its terms, conditions, limitations and exclusions and remember with your membership you also get this fantastic magazine concealed carry this is the november december 2022 edition so this is the last one for this calendar year i'm looking forward to january and february a lot of great information join the united states concealed carry association and keep yourself protected because it is a constitutional right Hey, greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Steadfast and Law podcast. You know, I think it's so important that we look at what has been happening after this 2022 midterm election. And especially one of the things that really concerns me is the engagement and the involvement of the Christian community. And then also we want to chat with some issues surrounding the Republican National Committee because you can't continue down this path and think that you're going to turn things around. So I couldn't think of anyone better to talk to even though he's a Clemson graduate and I went to Tennessee, but we got a little football game coming up. But that's the founder and CEO of Faith Wins, and that is Chad Conley. Chad was the Republican National Committee's first ever National Director of Faith Engagement, a key position that influenced the elections of 2016. 
Having been elected to two terms as the chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party, Chad set new fundraising records for the party, hosted two national televised debates that brought over $50 million in revenue and advertising exposure to the state, and held the largest presidential preference primary at that time in South Carolina's history, with over 607,000 people voting in the election. Since 2013, he's traveled to 43 states and spoke to more than 82,000 pastors and faith leaders about the importance of pastoral leadership in the public arena. His work has led to trusted relationships with a wide variety of denominational and organizational ministry leaders across the nation and resulted in the highest evangelical turnout and vote in modern American political history in the 2016 elections. Chad has appeared on numerous national television shows and has been a featured commentator on Fox News, and he's gone behind enemy lines at CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, NBC, and others. He is a well-known in the political and religious circles around the nation as an effective speaker, relationship builder, and prolific fundraiser, and is in demand as an inspirational speaker on a variety of topics. Chad is passionate about his home state, of South Carolina, the Palmetto State, America and her true history, but is most passionate about, as we all should be, his family. His wife, Dana, and their four children, CJ, 22, Leah, 20, Bennett, 18, Summer, 17. Chad is a lifelong South Carolinian, and he is, his wife live in, get this, Prosperity, South Carolina. <laughs> Chad, welcome to the Steadfast and Law Podcast. It's good to see you and be with you again. Hey, Colonel, my honor. I appreciate your service and a fellow Army man. And uh, yes, sir. appreciate your service to the nation and to the kingdom of God here on earth. And, man, I'm just honored to be with you, brother. But, yeah, prosperity, as you can tell, it's not a big place, Alan. It don't need to be a big place. It's got a great name. <laughs> Amen, brother. And uh, I got to tell you, you and I were together uh, on election night there yeah. here here in Fort Worth, Texas, at the Kenneth Copeland Ministries, uh, part of the uh, Victory News uh, coverage. We were there, and we were just kind of just perplexed about what we did not see materialize, which everyone has said was going to materialize. What's your immediate reaction from the 2022 election cycle? Well, as I said for many months, you know, we somebody was doing a poor job of setting expectations, Colonel, and then a poor job of managing the expectations. I don't know about you, but you never tell your team, we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to win, don't have yeah. to try don't have to work hard. And who knows how much voter suppression happened because our leadership at the party level, the national level, and of course, all the pundits, the media folks were saying, we're going to win, we're going to win. I, I think that hurt us badly. Clearly, we had some candidate issues. Clearly, we had, uh, look, we got smoked in the fundamentals, Alan. We got yes. smoked. The ballot gathering that the left is committed to now, uh, the absentee vote, early vote, chase programs. I've been in every one of those states, and I can tell you, some of those state parties weren't even doing the basics. And uh, look, that falls on responsibility at top. But, you know, in a bigger sense, uh, three and a half million more Republicans voted than Democrats. You know how rare that is. Mm -hmm. uh, we made inroads in a lot of demographics that the media doesn't like to acknowledge. But the truth is, people believe in our issues. Um, we, we've got some issues that the granular level in the states, there's no question about it. I think those are some of the leadership issues. But all in all, people agree with what we believe in. We got to do a better job of messaging and getting that message out, Alan. Yeah, you know, without a doubt. And and uh, let's start with there with the with the mess. 
Okay. Chad said, can we make sure you can try to keep the phone still? I'm working on it. No, no problem. Uh, um, let's talk about the messaging thing because so many people talked about the inflation was an issue, the border was an issue, but yet we, we saw that 68% of unmarried women still came out and said, you know, this whole thing about murdering unborn babies in the womb is an issue. We saw young people come out and still that, you know, it was all about, uh, you know, my college student debt uh, being relieved, even though that's not something constitutionally that the president could do by executive order. Where can we improve in our messaging? Because I think that that's the next level uh, we have to, to, to get to. And then we'll talk about our tactics. You know, Alan, one time I asked Reince Priebus about the biblical worldview of the people that were surrounding the Republican presidential candidates, and he admitted maybe 3% of them had a biblical worldview. And the ones I've been around, they're consultant first, they're Republican first, they're not committed to a core issue, a core belief, as you and I believe, a biblical worldview, and they tell them to cower in front of the abortion issue, when what we ought to be doing is saying, hey, look, the extremists are over there on the left who want yeah. to kill babies up to the time of birth. We shouldn't apologize for Hobbes. We shouldn't apologize for telling the truth about trying to save babies' lives. But when consultants tell candidates to ignore the issue, and the left spent some $410 million pushing out the abortion issue, calling us you know, liars and we're hurting women and all that nonsense, then people are easily duped. I mean, let's look at the young boat. I told my kids, uh, they said, hey, what about this student loan thing? I said, you're not going to get it. It's a political stunt meant to fool those who are gullible. And, of course, I said five days after the election, it'll be proven to be nothing. And, of course, it was two days. And so I think that our folks, our consultants are probably the issue here, Alan. I really do. Well, you know, it's time that we change up these consultants. And it's amazing to me that you still get paid even though you lose so horribly. And one of the things that I thought we should be saying, the Satanic Temple of America, Satanic Temple here in Texas, they hold the same beliefs that the Democrats hold with this thing about murdering unborn babies. And why can't we say that? Why, what is the reticence and the recalcitrance of speaking what is truth uh, out there in the public public sphere? Because if not, the other side, they're just going to continue to say we're the threats to democracy, even though they're the ones that are bringing across illegals and allowing them to vote. And they are trying to undermine the filibuster. They're trying to stack the Supreme Court. They're censoring Americans' uh, speech and political opposition. I think those are the real threats to democracy. But we didn't hear about that. So let's talk about tactics, because you're right. We are not doing what the other side is effectively doing with let's get after the ballots. Let's you know, if they have changed the law, then we have got to operate within the framework of the law as well. Yeah, that's right. There's no question about it. Most of our folks, uh, they ignore that. There's no question that the whole program has been it's been changed. There's a paradigm shift and we got to start saying we got to play the game by the rules. And let's face it, some of these states change their rules. We don't have to like them, but we better embrace them and get good at it. It's what we've been trying to do at Faith Wins is build relationships at the local level. And let's face it, uh, these consultants don't want relationship-based work, Alan. Mm -hmm. They want to do the air war, the digital ads, the TV ads. Uh, they make a ton of money. I, you know, I, okay, you know, God bless them kind of thing. But it just seems like to me there are a lot of them that don't care as much about winning as they do about making money. And you're right. Uh, some of these folks that have a losing record – I need to go find something else to do. We've had some consultants now who successfully taught us uh, and led us through three straight cycles in the best political environment in our lifetimes. 
to losses over and over and over again. And so fundamentally, we're getting our teeth kicked in because we're not embracing some of these uh, nuances that have been developed like the left is doing. Alan, they're not doing voter drives like we're doing in churches. They're mm-hmm. doing ballot gathering in mm-hmm. every aspect. And uh, if faith wins, what we I believe we got the best opportunity to ballot gather in these churches because of relationships. And we're certainly going to enhance that next year. Yeah, and, and the thing is that if they come out and complain about what you're doing, hey, say time out. You know, you're doing it. We're just adopting your tactic and technique. And I do think that there was a detrimental effect to people coming out and saying, hey, this is in the bag. You know, everything is great. Because, you know, you and I, we, we grew up down south. And when you're playing football down south, you play the game until there's all zeros on the scoreboard. You That's don't, right. You, you, you're down, you know, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. That's the mentality. So why is it that we are allowing people to go out there and, and, you know, completely do something that is against, you know, our fabric and what we learned as, you know, professional uh, soldiers? You don't go out and say, hey, guys, we got this battle wrapped up. We'll just kind of show up on the battlefield and the enemy's going to, you know, cower and run away. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, that is a, a fundamental problem to me. I'm like you. They taught me in the Army, burn the boats go for every bit of it, uh, mm-hmm. swift and violent, uh, you know, action. You cannot do it halfway. Mm-hmm. And we've adopted a halfway approach. And I, I don't mean that those people aren't working hard, but if we're using 2000 and 2005 tactics in 2022, we got a problem and we're yeah. not learning to adapt. And I just think that it's a fundamental issue. I, as a former state party chairman, I think it goes down to the state and the county level. There's got to be leadership. They got to provide that leadership. They got to teach them the basics. We were in several states where I asked the uh, the national party or the state party people, "What's your absentee ballot program? What's your chase program for early vote?" And I, they looked at me like I was three headed, Alan. I, and it just those are just the basics to me. Yeah. And if those aren't being done and taught and executed, then we've got a real problem. And I think we're seeing it play out in the results. And it's not hard to take a look at this. There's no question some pundits let us down the wrong uh, path. The pollsters were wrong. And, and like always, there's a bunch of factors in every election, and we can name them. We could tick them off. Uh, we know them by heart. But there's some fundamental issues that we got to go back to blocking and tackling and running yes, and sir. passing and catching. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you don't block and tackle, you don't win. Uh, let's talk about faith wins. And what did you see in this election cycle from – the body of Christ, the Christian community. Uh, were, did you see an effectiveness? Did you see an increase in the body of Christ coming out and participating in the electoral process? Or do we still have a ways to go? I think we always have a ways to go. I don't want to say that, you know, we've we've accomplished the goal. I, I we're further along we were. When mm-hmm. I started uh, doing faith engagement in 2010, we had a congressional race in South Carolina. We had not won since Reconstruction. And we targeted specific strategic counties and precincts it worked. When I was elected state party chairman, we enhanced that. Then I took that position with Priebus in 2013 to 2017, and we went to specific states, and we just said, we're going to run up the score. And then, of course, in Virginia, after I'd gone to Faith Wins in 2017, I didn't see the commitment from the National Party to reach out to evangelicals, so I started my C3, and we went in 2021 in Virginia. We only found 312 churches to do voter registration, but we registered 77,000 people who never voted before. Mm. And those are difference makers. We didn't tell them who to vote for, but our people are motivated, Alan. You know, when I first started this, I think the response was they were scared. They thought it was illegal. 
there were a lot of pastors who'd been lied to about your legal rights. Yes. And I told them, look, you don't lose the First Amendment behind the pulpit. It's bigger and better than ever before because now you're in leadership and you're an influencer. So I think that we've come a long way. I went to 24 states this year. David Barton and I did 132 meetings in 24 mm-hmm. states from February to November. Our people are motivated. They're looking for direction. They want to know what to do. They're willing to do it. They want to know what to do. And that's what we're trying to do is engage them and get them activated at the local level. Well, that comes back to what we learned in military task and purpose. Give me the what and the why and, and give them the, the lane and the axis of advance. And we got to continue to do that. And everything that you're you're saying, there's an underpinning. It it does come back to leadership. Mm -hmm. You have been in that arena uh, at the RNC. You you were once one of the 168. What has to change to get the RNC to be an effective organization again? Because you just brought up the thing about the faith engagement, how for whatever reason they did not continue to support that, and so you started your uh, 501c3 Faith Wins what do we got to do at, for the RNC? And, and, and I'll admit, I, I believe that we've got to have a change of leadership, but I think yeah. it's bigger than that. I, I do too. I, I think if you go up there, I've had this conversation with my friend, Reince Priebus. I tried to tell the current chair this several years ago. I've had no relationship since. Uh, not only was I a state party chairman, I was a senior staffer for Priebus in 2016 when a guy named Trump shocked the world. And Priebus had an all-of-the-above approach. We're going to talk to every segment of society. We're not going to parachute in three months out and say that we have faith engagement or Hispanic engagement or Asian Pacific Islander engagement like Mm -hmm. we had done for years. I think we got to go back to talking to everybody all the time, being proud of our message. And I believe it goes back to who's whispering to the leadership. And I don't have a lot of confidence in the consulting class that seems to want to make a lot of money and I think the abortion issue that you brought up is a good example. Why do you tell candidates to shut up about it when DeSantis, my governor McMaster, your governor in Tennessee, your governor in uh, Texas, uh, Kemp, DeWine, all of them won handily by standing on and passing and signing massive pro-life legislation. And so you've got all these consultants saying, oh, stay away from it. And if you get to know some of those consultants, you realize they're just not with us. I think that's where it starts, and that's where you got to go fix it, is you got to get people in the pipeline, Alan, to, to replace people that don't have a, a core about them. L- listen, I don't have to agree with somebody perfectly. My wife and kids and I can't agree on a Whopper or a Big Mac kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but we ought to agree on platform issues, and I think there are people at major levels in the party that fundamentally don't agree with our platform issues. Therefore, they're apologetic instead of standing firm for the truth. How do we find, I mean, how do we identify them? You know, I'm not saying you blacklist people, but just say that these are the folks to stay away from because they got a losing record. It's just the same as if you're a a football team looking for a new coach, you can go up and look at resumes. You can say, I I don't like this guy. I I like this guy, you know, based upon the resume. How do we get it out there that these are the people that have not been effective as political consultants? Because I can tell you, Whoever it was that was on the Herschel Walker campaign as a political consultant should never be in a political consultant ever again. You know, I think it goes back to leadership because when I was inside uh, the RNC as a senior staffer, I brought a lot of Christian vendors, none of whom got past the, oh, you're fantastic. We'd love to have you. It's very insular. Um, it's, It's very much in the family. 
I, I just think it's going to take a cleansing. I'm, I, I'm speaking to some people on this uh, after action group, the autopsy. And I am hopeful, and I'm, I want to, you know, give her credit, Ronald McDaniel credit. She put some people in there that are hopefully going to make her extremely uncomfortable. And I told them, first thing is, uh, she needs to move to D.C. and run the RNC from D.C., not from Michigan. I, that would be a big part for me. I think they need to take a good look and let competitive bids be placed for these consultants. And they need to take a good, deep dive into every aspect of what they're doing because something ain't working, as we say in South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Something ain't working. And you should not. We shouldn't lose like we've lost, Alan. I, I know we're going to lose some races, but this was the best political environment for conservatives in mine and your lifetime, brother. And we blew it. We blew it massively. And I look, I'm, I'm happy about the gains. And as our buddy Bob McEwen says, we need to leave room for the possibility that God just might know what he's doing. But, you know, God often works in these ways <laughs> to point out where we're deficient and where yes. we're not doing so well. So I hope there's an honest, uh, quote unquote, autopsy report where some hard truths are revealed and they take a good deep dive and make some changes. You know, I'm just fearful that if you continue to reward failure, failure will never change. Uh, yeah. and, and to me, it's Pavlovian. Uh, yeah. At some point in time, you've got to say you're a nice person, but you're not the person to lead. You know, when the United States Army got bushwhacked at Kazarine Pass in 1942, Oof. Eisenhower Oof. didn't say, hey, General, you're pretty good. Let me give you another shot. He said, you're out of here. Yep. And let's bring in this crazy wild cavalry. That's right. This crazy <laughs> wild cavalryman named uh, named Patton, who never lost a battle. Uh, he did not have the greatest personality, but he did not lose a battle because he understood how you focus on winning on the battlefield and defeating enemy. I'll give you the the last word here. What is Faith Wins? What is your focus going into 2023? I appreciate you, brother, and God bless you. Merry Christmas to you too. But mm -hmm. we are laser beam focused, Alan, on maximizing the Christian vote at every level in the public arena. We're recruiting poll watchers and sworn election officers in states we can. We're going to maximize Christian voter uh, um, integrity, but also voter registration in churches. In 2023, we're going to focus and targeted the early states and beyond. And our, our big goal is to continue to expand our reach. This past year, the year before, we had nine different denominations host our meetings. This year, we had 24. And I'm really excited that pastors they don't have to agree on every piece of doctrine or which version of the Bible or how long the service goes, but they are linking arms to say, God gave us a mantle of responsibility in this nation and we're failing because we, he established the church, the home and the state, and we're being two thirds Christians. So I'm talking to them about being three thirds Christians and being engaged at every level as a believer in the public arena. Well, I want to thank you for coming here to Carrollton, Texas, to my church, Sojourn Church, and Pastor Chris McRae. And Love was, your pastor. Oh, he's something else. He's on fire. That's why he got one of those uh, uh, Black Robe Regiment tomahawks. And, and, and that's the key thing is to inspire these pastors because, you know, they are afraid. They are, they're afraid of losing a 501c3 status and tax-exempt status when that's not going to happen. All you have to do is talk to Kelly Shackelford over at First Liberty. They have a constitutional right being the freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of, of uh, expression. But – the left is always going to say, you wild, crazy Christian nationalists. We're not Christian nationalists. We believe in the body of Christ. We believe in our country. What's wrong with that? God, country, family. 
But what we've got to do is we've got to stand up and make a stand because Romans 12, 2 says we're not supposed to conform. We're supposed to stand up and transform, and that's based upon our biblical worldview and vote our values, as you said. So, Chad, you can count me in for whatever you need. It's great to be with you, my brother soldier, Army Strong. But I just got to say, go Big Orange, go Vols, you know, in the Orange Bowl. But I expect a great game between Tennessee and and Clemson. And the amazing thing is, as the crow flies, maybe it's an hour that separates our two uh, campuses, you know, over on each side of the Smoky Mountains. That's right, brother. Well, God bless you. I appreciate your leadership, brother. Merry Christmas to you and go Tigers. Merry Christmas. Go and and, and enjoy. God bless. See you, brother. Chad Connolly, the president and CEO, founder and CEO of Faith Wins, a dear friend of mine, fellow soldier, fellow former state party chairman, but most important, he's a brother of Christ. Before they burn it down.